Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove here on the Bible Reading App. Today is October the 25th, and we are here in the Bible Reading Plan, reading through the Bible in a year. And today, we'll be starting the book of 1 Timothy. So read along if you can. Otherwise, let me read this over you, and I'll give you a quick thought at the end. So here we go, starting in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. 1 Timothy chapter 3 Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. This concludes the reading for today. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. Okay, so I'm going to jump into a topic that we're not going to talk in depth about, but I'm going to give you a quick few thoughts about it. Because in this, we read some very severe things that Paul says about women. So let's start with 1 Timothy 2, verse 11. He said, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. 
I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. I have heard this verse said so many times to prove that women shouldn't be leaders and they shouldn't teach. Now, there is no 100% right or wrong on how this is interpreted. Theologians all around the world differ in how this looks. So anybody who tells you this is the absolute truth doesn't necessarily understand it themselves. Some people will say, well, Pastor Michael, it's clear as day. You heard what Paul said. Yet let me just kind of show you some differences in Paul's writings. For instance, if we go to Ephesians chapter 6, let me just read you verse 5. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. And then when you jump down to verse 9, In masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Now, if you just take those verses by themselves, you think, oh yeah, Paul is for slavery. He thinks it's okay. We can ignore context. We can ignore history or anything around these verses, take them at face value, and then believe that Paul thinks it's okay for people to own slaves. Yet jump back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Let me read this. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, and then listen to this, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Did you hear that list of things that he mentioned? Ungodly, sinful, lawbreaker, rebellious, sexually immoral, homosexuality. And in the middle of that, he says, slave traders. So you have to stop and ask yourself, Is he okay with slavery? Because of what we read in the book of Ephesians, sound like he was addressing slaves and slave owners and telling them how to behave. Yet, here to Timothy, he's telling him that he has to watch out for people who do these evil things, and part of that being slave traders, those that are in the slave industry. So either he's for it one minute and against it another, Or there's specific context to be read inside of what he's saying, which, of course, there is, and he is against slavery, actually. His desire is to help people be free just as God would have it and Jesus would have it. What he's saying to the people in Ephesus is to not be like the rest of culture and treat slaves, people who may be indentured for their work that they do in order to pay off a debt. Don't treat them with contempt like everybody else does. He's not for slavery, but the context of Ephesus shows him that he has to address how people treat those around them. In fact, the true heart of what he's saying to the people of Ephesus comes from chapter 5, verse 21, where he starts this section by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's not listing slavery as something that he likes or thinks should happen. He's listing it as an example that really contrasts how much he's saying submit to one another. 
that a slave would have to submit to their master. And then he confronts the master in saying to treat the slave in a way that is submissive, humble, and out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so why is all of this so important in the woman conversation? Well, he starts out in 1 Timothy chapter 1 by saying that there are people who are giving false teachings, and they've departed from the truths and have turned to meaningless talk. He says in chapter 1, verse 7, they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. That actually is why he is sending Timothy. Timothy is going there to stop the false teachings and to confront the things that don't make sense. But still, why tell women that they should learn in quietness and be in full submission? Why say that he does not permit them to teach? Well, for that, you have to understand what else is happening in Ephesus here in the culture. Just a couple verses before this, he says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. What he's addressing here is that there is a problem with the way women are presenting themselves. What you have is a group of women who are adorning themselves and making themselves look better than the other ladies, and then trying to make them feel bad that they didn't look as polished and adorned as they were. Why was that such a big thing? Well, what else is in Ephesus? When we go back to Acts chapter 19, we learn about the temple of Artemis. Artemis was the goddess of hunting, wild animals, forest, childbirth, and fertility. So she was a goddess that was meant to bring power to the women. And when you go back to Acts 19, what you find is that all people were taken up in this worship of Artemis. And so now Paul is talking to a group of women who have been in a culture that worships a goddess, Artemis, and has empowered women to teach this false philosophy. And so while they have converted and brought themselves into Christianity, the women still are empowered to teach how they want. So put all these pieces together. A culture where women have been empowered to teach whatever they want based on this false goddess Artemis, where the women who are well-to-do strut around showing people their power and prestige. And while they do that, they continue to give false teachings. That's the culture that Paul is addressing. And so when he says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission, first understand he's telling her to learn, which in the Christian culture at that time wasn't even popular for a woman to go and learn in the first place. Yet Paul is breaking that and saying she should learn just in quietness and full submission. So this isn't against women. This is against the way things were happening in Ephesus as women continue to practice their ways as they did when they worshipped Artemis. So he says, because of how things happened, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. He's flipping the script on how things were done before. Look, you can read this differently if you'd like. You can think he's saying that women should just be quiet. But then you have to ask yourself, 
Why does he entrust the letter of Romans to a woman to deliver? And then at the end of Romans, he thanks a bunch of women who have been part of his ministry. Why does he recognize Priscilla before Aquila when he talks about them teaching and getting things right? In that culture, it would signify that he's putting the ownership on Priscilla as the one who is teaching. Why does he name a woman as an apostle in Romans 16? In verse 7, he talks about Junia, which is clearly a feminine name. And just so you know, some people would say that it's a mistake or it's been translated wrong, that it's really supposed to be for the male name Junianus. However, you should know that this contradiction doesn't happen in any other writings and has been shown to be grammatically impossible for a Latin name like Junia. There's so many contradictions to what Paul is saying if he really thinks a woman shouldn't have a place of leadership. So I have to be forced to stop and say, is he contradicting his own self? Or is he talking to a culture where the worship of women because of the goddess Artemis has been misplaced and done improperly? And so he has to go the extreme other side for the people of Ephesus in order to reclaim what's supposed to be happening for women. And remember, he says they can learn. Even though he says learn in quiet, he says learn. That in itself is a contradiction to what he's saying. So for me, I have to read this and think there's more to it. And what I believe, when you read the rest of the Bible, and you understand Jesus' heart for women, when you look at creation and you understand the unity between man and woman, how they were made to be side by side, I have to believe that God's desire is that woman would be just as powerful, just as responsible, and just as respected as men when it comes to presenting the gospel to the people around them. In fact, Paul himself treats women that way in all of his letters. So I would encourage you to read all of his letters and writings together and come to a conclusion yourself to determine how do you feel about women in leadership. But as for me, the way I read the entire Bible, the way I understand God's plan for humanity, I have to believe myself that God desires all people to be treated equally. And he desires that men and women would have the same right to work together to present the gospel and to teach others to follow Christ. After all, it's God's desire that at any cost, all people should know him and come to an understanding of who he is. Seems like he would desire to use all people to make that happen. That's all the time I have left for today. I love you. And God bless. Thank you.